section twenty nine of heroines of fiction by william dean howells this librivox recording is in the public domain the heroine of the initials some time about the middle of the century which has so lately become the last there appeared a novel which swept the younger novel-reading world almost with the thoroughness of jane eyre among maturer readers those who were once at that younger world still think the initials one of the most captivating love-stories ever written and they feel something of the old pride in it which they felt when it was a mark of taste and refinement to like it not to have read the initials was in their day to have left one's self out of the range of intellectual conversation and almost of human sympathy such a one was not authorized even to speculate about the authorship which then unknown added the excitement of mystery to the intrinsic charm of the book later it came out that the initials was written by the baroness tautfius an englishwoman married and living in bavaria but quits at least by the author of the initials reached them before her identity penetrated to her worshippers neither quits however nor cyrilla nor at oz ever had half the acceptance of the initials and in fact they had none of the rounded completeness the entire and perfect fascination of the first story it remained her best as it remains one of the best novels written in the century when fiction won the primacy in polite literature which it seems destined to keep one the initials is first of all a love story and then it is an international love story and perhaps the earliest of the modern sort which americans rather than the english have cultivated it relates to the loves of a young englishman and a young german girl in whose family he becomes an inmate at munich her father is of civil condition but has married a second wife socially beneath him and in their rather less than moderate fortunes the rosenbergs are more than willing to take a lodger the mother is of good soul if not of good family and like most women of her nation a devoted housekeeper the family consists of her young sons and of her stepdaughters hildegard and Crescens, who are hardly of the age to be heroines in england but at sixteen and fifteen are quite old enough to be thought of in marriage in germany i should be ashamed to give these details to people of my own generation for everybody who was anybody knew them forty or fifty years ago but i now address them to the later youth and i feel myself safe if i have not got them quite straight i believe herr rosenberg had married above him when he espoused the mother of his daughters who i remember had some noble cousins bothering about and complicating matters but i do not care the main fact is that the young englishman hamilton comes to live with the rosenbergs for the improvement of his german and that crescens falls in love with him and he falls in love with hildegard hildegard is one of the first proud and angry heroines who since rather than before have flourished a good deal in fiction and she is frankly beautiful the concession to human weakness being made in the matter of temper it will be noted that she is therefore of a type at once earlier than the plain impassioned heroines of charlotte bronte and later and is of that pretty but tempestuous sort of girls whom emily bronte brought in the fashion of and who antedated and outlived their cousins 
she contributed a spice of variety to the family of english heroines by her strangeness for though of english origin through the author who imagined her she was of such foreign make and manner as at once to catch the eye among them she was shown to in her native environment and for the first time we had in her affair with hamilton that piquancy of internationality which the american novelists oftener than the english have since invoked before her there had been such heavy affairs as that of sir charles grandison and the lovely italian lady clementina but in the initials the situation had almost the modernity of a case fancied by mr henry james the greatest of all the masters in that way neither hamilton at nineteen nor hildegard at sixteen could be of such confirmed and hardened prejudices in favour of their own nation as to make their national difference an obstacle to their passion the barriers this had to surmount were social and personal for the well-born englishman could not help feeling and showing himself superior to the bourgeois family which had received him and such a girl as hildegarde could not help promptly hating him for it they met almost as enemies and their wooing throughout had often the alarming effect of warring at the very end her capture is something like a hostile triumph the affair is not the less intoxicating to the spectator the country fought over though difficult is picturesque and the manners and customs of the neutrals as well as the belligerents are realized as vital elements of the exciting spectacle two in her first presentation hildegard is grouped with her sister and they are both described as perfect personifications of german beauty blue eyes blooming cheeks red lips and a profusion of brown hair most classically braided and plaited they were both tall and very slightly formed and their dark cotton dresses were made and put on with an exactness which proved that they were not indifferent to the advantages bestowed on them by nature at the table d'hote where he meets them the young ladies to hamilton's infinite astonishment took the chicken bones in their fingers and detached the meat from them with their teeth he felt at once convinced that they were immeasurably vulgar not aware that the mode of eating is in germany no such exact criterion of manners as in england it is the good sweet stupid crescens that hamilton first becomes acquainted with and who in her tenderness for him confesses her wretchedness at being obliged to marry the kindly but elderly and bald-headed major stoltz why before i left sion he seemed much more inclined to marry your sister than you oh of course he would rather have married hildegard because she is so much handsomer and cleverer than i am but she would not listen to him and called him an old fool i admire her candour said hamilton and then she got into a passion when he persevered and slapped him on the mouth yes when he attempted to kiss her hand at least he says so and hildegard thinks it may be true as she was angry and struggled very hard to release her hand she seems of rather a passionate temperament passionate yes she sometimes gets into a passion but it is soon over and then she can be so kind to those she loves with me she is never in a passion in due time hamilton himself experiences her temper notably once just after he has been waltzing with crescens and holding her rather closely embraced your sister's personal dislike seems to influence her conduct on all occasions said hamilton glancing towards hildegard 
hildegard rose as she passed hamilton she said in a low voice for personal dislike you may say detestation when you refer to yourself in future most willingly most gladly said hamilton laughing i wish you to hate me with all your heart then your wish is gratified i feel the greatest contempt halt cried hamilton laughing for her anger amused him i did not give you leave to feel contempt i only said you might hate one day madame rosenberg bids the girl carry hamilton his coffee to him in his room but but hesitated hildegard mr hamilton is not alone count zedwitz is in his room but he won't bite you so go at once half an hour later hamilton was out in the corridor madame rosenberg hoped his coffee was not too cold coffee no yes when where did i drink it in your own room replied madame rosenberg laughing i sent it to you by hildegard he looked inquiringly at hildegard she raised her eyes slowly from her work and looking at him steadily and gravely said in french i threw it out of the window rather than take it to you next time i advise you to drink it said hamilton laughing hildegard's anger towards hamilton is kindled not only from her unconscious love of him but from her more generous indignation of what she believes his trifling with poor pretty crescens at last she can bear it no longer and she brings him to book for it and there is a fine scene between them which the lovers of the lovers will not have forgotten she reproaches him and then implores him to leave their house he temporizes and teases her till it comes to her saying ungenerous unfeeling englishman i i see you are trying to put me into a passion but i am not angry she said seating herself in the chair he had before placed for her you said you were able to convince me you have convinced me that you are a consummate actress cried hamilton contemptuously i am no actress she exclaimed starting from her chair with such a violence that it fell to the ground with a loud crash you are even more thoroughly selfish than i imagined this is the last time i shall ever speak to you don't make rash vows said hamilton coolly i dare say you will often speak to me in time perhaps condescend to like me never i do not think there exists in the world a more unamiable being than you are you are vindictive too cruelly vindictive it is because you dislike me it is in order to make me unhappy that you trifle with my sister's feelings no matter i see now that these conferences and quarrels are worse than useless and i quite agree with you said hamilton quickly suppose i promise never by word or deed to disparage major stultz in future and totally to abstain from all further attentions to your sister that is better than nothing said hildegard slowly if you promise she added hesitatingly i-i think i may trust you three he cannot go so far as this without going farther both in warring and wooing with two young people brought together under the same roof and meeting daily almost hourly almost momently the love-making and the hate-making between hildegard and hamilton advance equally and it is only a question of time when the hate-making shall be altogether lost in the love-making she has to bear a great deal poor proud girl but she proves strong enough for her burden even to accepting in hamilton's presence her stepmother's rebuke of her pride and her advice to forget that the countess raymond was her mother she suffers but she takes it all in good part and in fact she is a good girl for all her temper and hauteur doing her part in the family and the housekeeping and not forgetting that she is a daughter to her father as well as her mother and has duties to her stepbrothers as well as her sister 
from her mother's family she has only trouble and there is one worthless cousin whose unworthy and irreverent love pursues her and persecutes her and all but effects her separation from hamilton who is himself not too considerate of her helplessness in fact the englishman's best excuse in certain crises of conduct is the sincerity of his passion and not his unselfishness as will appear to the reader who first acquaints himself with that famous chapter of their lives called the struggle it is perhaps the climax of the story and it shows hildegard in her limitations as well as her potentialities with respect to both hamilton and oscar raymond certainly the scene of her warring and wooing with hamilton is a resume of all in that kind which characterizes the book and is one of high novelty and originality as such scenes go the family have apparently all gone out when hamilton returns from a sunday morning ride after having the night before had an uncommonly amicable talk with hildegard and prevailed with her as he thought not to read a certain unfit book but read only those he had given her a list of he entered the house by the back staircase visited all the rooms and even the kitchen but found all deserted madame rosenberg's room was also unoccupied but through the partly open door of it he saw hildegard sitting on the sofa in the drawing-room reading so intently that she was perfectly unconscious of his presence the deep folds of her dark blue merino dress with its closely fitting body gave a more than usual elegance to her tall slight figure as she bent in profile over her book and hamilton stood in silent admiration unconsciously twisting his riding whip round his wrist until his eyes rested for the second time on the book which she held in her hand he started hesitated then hastily strode forward and stood before her doubt and uncertainty were still depicted on his countenance as hildegard looked up but her dismay her deep blush and the childish action of placing the hand containing the volume behind her were a confirmation of his fears that she was reading the forbidden work excuse me for interrupting you he said with a forced smile but i really cannot believe the evidence of my own eyes and must request you to let me look at that book for a moment no you shall not she answered leaning back on the sofa and becoming very pale while she added it is very disagreeable being startled and interrupted in this manner i thought you told mamma you would meet her at neubergausen very true perhaps i may meet her there but before i go i must and will see that book on it depends my future opinion of you you shall not see it cried hildegard the colour again returning to her face the book said hamilton seizing firmly her disengaged hand the book or the name of it neither let me go cried hildegard struggling to disengage her hand like most usually quiet-tempered persons hamilton when once actually aroused lost all command of himself he held one of her hands as in a vice and when she brought forward the other to accelerate its release he bent down to read the title of the book which was immediately thrown on the ground and the then free hand descended with such violence on his cheek and ear that for a moment he was perfectly stunned and even after he stood upright he looked at her for a few seconds in unfeigned astonishment do you think at length he exclaimed vehemently do you think that i will allow you to treat me as you did major stoltz with impunity and then catching her in his arms he kissed her repeatedly and with a violence which seemed to terrify her beyond measure i gave you fair warning more than once he added when at length he had released her i gave you fair warning and you knew what you 
had to expect she covered her face with her hands and burst into a passion of tears i cannot imagine he continued impetuously walking up and down the room i cannot imagine why you did not with your usual courage tell me at once the name of the book and prevent this scene hildegarde shook her head and wept still more bitterly after all he said seating himself with affected calmness opposite to her leaning his arms on the table and drumming upon the book which now lay undisputed between them after all you are not better than other people not more to be trusted than other girls and i fancied you such perfection i could have forgiven anything but the the untruth he exclaimed starting up anything but that pshaw yesterday when you told me that the books had been sent back to the library i believed you without a moment's hesitation i thanked you for your deference to my opinion ha 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 what a fool you must have thought me hildegarde looked up all expression of humility had left her features her tears ceased to flow and as she rose to leave the room she turned almost haughtily towards him while saying i really do not know what right you have to speak to me in this manner i consider it very great presumption on your part and desire it may never occur again you may be quite sure i shall never offend you in this way again he said holding the book towards her what a mere farce the writing of that list of books was no for i had intended to have read all you recommended and all i recommended you to avoid too this this which you tacitly promised not to finish he stopped for while she took the book in silence she blushed so deeply and seemed so embarrassed that he added sorrowfully oh how i regret having come home how i wish i had not discovered that you could deceive me i have not deceived you said hildegarde appearances are against me and yet i repeat i have not deceived you the books were sent to the library yesterday evening but too late to be changed old hans brought them back again and i found them in my room when i went to bed i did not read them last night but you stayed at home for the purpose to-day observed hamilton reproachfully no my mother gave the servants leave to go out for the whole day and as she did not like to leave the house quite unoccupied she asked me to remain at home i of course agreed to do so without i assure you thinking of those hateful books i do not mean to i cannot justify what i have done i can only say in extenuation that the temptation was great i have been alone for more than two hours my father's books are locked up i never enter your room when you are absent and i wish to know the end of the story which still interests and haunts me in spite of all my endeavours to forget it the book lay before me i resisted long but at last i opened it and so and so and so i suppose i must acknowledge that i have judged you too harshly said hamilton i do not care about your judgment i have fallen in my own esteem since i find that i cannot resist temptation and is my good opinion of no value to you it was perhaps but it has lost all worth within the last half hour how do you mean i have seen you in the course of that time suspicious rough and what you would yourself call ungentlemanlike you were the last person from whom i should have expected such treatment continued hildegarde while the tears started to her eyes and her voice faltered the very last and though i did get into a passion and give you a blow it was not until you had hurt my wrist and provoked me beyond endurance she left the room and walked quickly down the passage stay cried hamilton following her stay and hear my excuses excuses you have not even one to offer said hildegarde laying her hand on the lock of her door hear me at least he said eagerly i could not endure the thought of your being one jot less perfect than i had imagined you that made me suspicious the wish for proof made me rough 
and though i cannot exactly justify my subsequent conduct i plead in extenuation your own words the temptation was great hildegard's dimples showed that a smile was with difficulty repressed and hamilton taking courage whispered hurriedly but one word more hear my last and best excuse it is that i love you deeply passionately but i need not tell you this for you must have known it long long ago hildegard say only that our perpetual quarrels have not made you absolutely hate me hildegard without uttering a word more impetuously drew back her hand sprang into her room and locked the door he waited for a minute or two and then knocked but received no answer hildegard he cried reproachfully is this right is this kind even if you dislike me i have a right to expect an answer go she said in a very low voice go away you ought not to be here when i am alone why did you not think of that before i don't know i had not time i nonsense open the door and let me speak to you for a moment no answer but he thought he heard her walking up and down the room only one moment he repeated i cannot indeed i cannot pray go away for the youthfulness of all this is lovely these people are really at the beginning of life and are immersed in the intoxicating employ of finding themselves out while remaining ignorant of their power upon each other neither is an actor the fascination of both is in their entire sincerity a worse than either would not have done what they each did they are still almost children i think it is plain that the author learned part of her trade from those weird sisters who wrote jane eyre and wuthering heights her art is a blend of charlotte brontes and emily brontes with a greater tendency to the greater freedom of emily's and an effect in the composite result of a fresh originality but in her stormiest scenes you have not the sense of outlawry such as you have in those of wuthering heights and the casing air is charged with comedy not tragedy oddly enough these aesthetics do not discord with the metaphysics which the author has learned to indulge from the fiction of goethe there are passages in this story of young love which in their psychological economical sociological excursiveness might have been studied from wilhelm meister the author was in fact operating in a region then so new to the novelist that she had a fair right to divide with the reader the weight of the exegetic duty laid upon her she had invited him into a world so strange to the english-speaking reader that she must sometimes suspend the lighter pleasures of hospitality in making sure that he understands what is going on the world is since so much more thoroughly travelled and thanks to such fiction as hers the peoples are so much more intimately versed in each other's peculiarities that the task of the international novelist is now indefinitely lightened but fortunately however well we knew germany or italy or spain or russia the pays de tendre always remains strange to us and the highways and byways of the land of love may be mapped out in the closest detail to the untiring interest of the student especially that region of a girl's heart explored by so many thousands of travellers who have recorded its surprises in so many hundred thousands of books continues a perennial mystery a continent proof against all revelations we get glimpses of it in the story of such a girl as hildegard but only glimpses and perhaps if she herself opened it to us we should be none the wiser in it we cannot be sure that hamilton will always be happy at times he will be tempestuously happy but at least he will never be calmly unhappy she will be always a surprise and a puzzle to him and when she is most his own his sense of possession will be qualified by this inalienable strangeness in her which will also be her strangeness to herself 
she will never be able to reveal her own nature wholly to him for she will never wholly know it for other girls the most obvious though not by any means the most valuable lesson of her experience will be that it is not safe for a girl to box a young man's ears unless she is willing to marry him this point seems to be definitely ascertained in the initials End of section twenty nine